Hi there, Nancy here. Welcome to Wellness Wednesday. In past episodes, I've answered some questions that I've received from viewers and from listeners and from nutrition classes, and I'm going to continue in that pattern and answer some frequently asked questions in this episode and those to come. One of the frequently asked questions I have is, I've heard about something called anti-nutrients. What do I need to do about them? Wow, anti-nutrients, what a scary term. I mean, we eat food for its nutrition, right? Or its nutrients. So if we think that there's things in food that are gonna be against nutrition, yeah, that is pretty scary. But I had to tell you, you shouldn't be worried. This term refers to compounds found in food that can interfere with the absorption of some nutrients. But I'm gonna tell you why it may not matter. First, let me give you some examples of some anti-nutrients. The first one is oxalate. Oxalate is found in many foods, including spinach. Raw spinach also contains a fair amount of calcium but your body doesn't absorb much of that calcium because the oxalate ties it up. However, when you cook spinach, you end up with a liquid that you drain off. And when you drain that off, the oxalate is reduced way down to the point where the majority of the calcium can be absorbed by the body. So does that mean you should only eat cooked spinach? Of course not. We don't eat spinach solely because of its calcium content. We also eat it for many other nutrients that it provides. Also, raw spinach is a better source of some important nutrients that are reduced in cooking. So the answer? eat some raw spinach, eat some cooked spinach, just enjoy it. The second anti-nutrient I want to talk to you about is goitrogens. Goitrogens are compounds that interfere with the normal function of the thyroid gland. Wow, that does sound scary because I'm sure you know that the thyroid gland is an important function in the human body. Goitrogens are present in many whole foods, but they are seen in higher concentrations in soybeans and also in cruciferous vegetables. These are members of the cabbage family. And ones that are particularly high in goitrogen include kale and Brussels sprouts. However, the only people who need to give even the smallest consideration to goitrogens in foods are those that have an underactive thyroid. And if you're one of those people, you may actually be on a thyroid medication called Synthoid. So before I give you some simple steps that you can do to reduce goitrogens in food, if you are on a synthetic hormone medication, then you should separate the dosage of your medication from the consumption of foods high in goitrogens. 
yeah, that's pretty easy to do. Just take your medication a couple of hours before, or an hour before eating, a couple hours after eating. Now the three tips. First, vary your diet. Well, that's always a tip that I give people because the more varied your diet, the more varied your nutrition is going to be. When you eat a variety of plant foods, it will limit the amount of goitrogens you consume, however. Tip number two is to make sure you get enough iodine and selenium in your diet. Iodine is found in sea fish and sea vegetables. Also, when you use salt for seasoning, choose one that has been, has added iodine. It's called iodized salt. As for selenium, nuts and seeds are a great source of this mineral, and the superstar in the category, Brazil nuts. One Brazil nut a day is all you'll need to get all the selenium your body requires. Also, blanch greens like spinach and kale, and this will reduce the amount of phytates. So if you were going to make a smoothie that contains spinach or kale, you could blanch the spinach and then freeze it. Or you do my favorite method and just buy it already frozen and it's already been blanched. But either way, this is going to limit the the goitrogen impact on your thyroid gland. The last anti-nutrient I'm going to talk about are phytates, also known as phytic acid. These are antioxidant compounds found in whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. The chief concern about phytates is that they can bind iron, zinc, manganese, and to a lesser extent calcium and limit their absorption. However, the presence of phytates in foods really isn't a worry. You know, celebrity nutritionists make these things out to be like, oh, these are just horrible. You're just not going to get the right nutrition if you don't eliminate these anti-nutrients in your foods. As for phytates, the body does a pretty good job to adapting to changes in the amount and the availability of minerals in the diet. And that allows us the body to maintain an equilibrium. So if we have an up and down amount of minerals, the body will change the absorption. So not to worry too much about phytates interfering with mineral absorption. However, there is one group of individuals who might need to be careful. And these are 100% whole foods, plant-based vegetarians. They consume no animal products, and so they may have some shortages of some minerals in their diet. Also, some of the foods that they consume, like soy and wheat bran, are high in phytates. So it might be worth paying a little bit of attention to for vegetarians, but most people don't need to worry about it. Something else to consider is that tea contains phytates. I always recommend, especially for vegetarians, that they separate tea consumption from the meals so that we don't have an interference of iron absorption from the iron that is in the food. Another thing to be aware of is that sprouting and fermentation can both slash phytates. 
Fermented soy products like tempeh have less phytate than unfermented tofu. You'll also get less phytate from whole wheat bread that has been processed with yeast, which is a natural fermentation process, versus a quick bread with whole wheat, like muffins or biscuits that are made with baking powder. You also should be aware that phytates themselves have some health benefits. Remember I said that they're anti-inflammatory compounds. In laboratory research, phytates have helped normalize cell growth and have stopped the proliferation of cancer cells. Research has also shown that they can help lower the food's glycemic load. You may recall listening to my episode when I explained glycemic load. If you have questions for me, you can record a comment on the Anchor app, and I may be able to answer it in future episodes. I do hope you'll tune in next week when I'll answer more frequently asked questions. Wishing you a healthy day, a happy day, and I encourage you to eat for good nutrition.